Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top Podcast. This is episode 322 for the 15th of Tishrei in a leap year. Today is the episode for the first day of Sukkot, of the holiday of Sukkot, which is a Yantav. So I am pre-recording this episode, and hopefully you are listening to this episode either before or after the holiday. Uh, so either way, I am wishing you a very happy and joyous holiday. This holiday of Sukkot is a holiday of joy. It's uh, it's taught that the joy that we can experience on Sukkot is really unparalleled and truly unique. Very uh, unique time to tap into this sense of joy, which joy we know really there's a teaching that says that joy breaks through all barriers. Joy can accomplish something that nothing else can. So I'm wishing you and your family and your loved ones a very, very, very happy and joyous Sukkot. All right. So with that being said, I want to ask you guys a question. Have you ever been in a situation, which I think is a very common situation for that most of us have been through at least once, if not more in our lives, where you're sitting at a meal and you're having a very nice and pleasant conversation with somebody. And then at some point or another, you need to use the bathroom. So you get up and you go to the bathroom and you look in the mirror. And what do you see? You have a big piece of chunk of lettuce or parsley or some other type of food stuck right in the middle of your teeth. And it shows very obviously every time you open your mouth, every time you smile, and it's really horrifying, right? It's really embarrassing. And what's the first thought that you think, or what's the second thought? The first thought is just horror, right? Where you look at yourself and you see that piece of of food stuck in your teeth. The second thought is, why didn't anybody tell me? I've been sitting there, I've been talking to this person for a good half hour, let's say maybe an hour, and the person didn't say anything to you. Like how rude is that, right? On the opposite end of things, let's say maybe you've been in a situation where you're sitting and you're talking to somebody and you notice that they have a piece of food stuck in in your teeth. Do you say something or do you not? So this is something that I've actually spoken about with my friends. The answer, just to let you guys know, is not ambiguous at all. (laughs) You always say something. Always, always, always tell somebody if they have somebody stuck in your teeth. Even if it's somebody you don't know, even if it's somebody you just met, whatever the case is, you always tell somebody. You always tell them if their shirt is untucked, you know, whatever these kind of things, people need to be told. But the fact of the matter is people don't always say. People, many, most likely, most, many of you, if not all or most of you have had this experience of sitting and talking to somebody and having food stuck in your teeth and the person didn't tell you, right? And perhaps what was going on in the person's mind who didn't tell you is that they thought that they were being polite by not saying anything, that they didn't want to embarrass you, that they didn't want you to feel bad, or they thought that it was awkward or something like that, right? Now, the thing is though, a true friend, (laughs) somebody who really cares about you, someone who really loves you, they will not care about embarrassing you in that moment and pointing that out for you. Sure, they they know it's going to hurt 
at the moment. Sure, they know it's going to be embarrassing. Maybe it's going to be embarrassing for them to bring it up. And it's going to give you this like moment of horror. But they know that ultimately this is for your good. And they know that you're going to be very grateful afterwards. So that's what distinguishes a true friend from just an acquaintance or someone who's being quote unquote nice to you. And this is kind of like a distinction. This is a very big generalization, obviously, but like, let's say between Americans and Israelis, where Americans, uh, maybe, let's say, stereotypically in Los Angeles, let's say, it's not so true in New York, but like, let's say in Los Angeles, what they're known for, the people who live there, again, big stereotype here, is that they're really nice to your face. They're really happy and friendly and everything, but behind your back, they really, they don't care about you and they're... In fact, they might even speak very negatively to you. Like people, like a lot of uh, a lot of actors in Los Angeles, they'll go into different auditions and the person will be like super nice to them. Or maybe even you've had this experience. You go to a job interview and the person's so nice to you and makes you feel so great about yourself and everything. You think that you got it. You got this job for sure. And then you never hear from them ever again, right? That's situation number one. Then you have the Israeli mentality, which the Israeli mentality is almost like the complete opposite. They bump into you on the street. They'll tell you if you have something stuck in your teeth. You go to the job interview. They'll point out all the flaws on your resume and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, maybe they'll hire you. Maybe they won't. But at least you know where you stand. And more often than not, the surprise comes from the Israelis where you find out that they actually do care for you in spite of and maybe by virtue of the fact that they're being so rude to you. Like the rudeness kind of shows a bond, you know? You see this with like guy friends a lot that it's like the way that they like show love to one another is they punch each other and you know that kind of thing they insult one another I mean that's maybe taking it to the extreme but there is something to be said about that that the whole thing about you know how I titled this podcast um, yes that shirt makes you look fat if you ask somebody if um, if you're wearing a shirt if you're trying on clothes in the store and you say to somebody do, do these clothes make me look good you don't just, you're not just fishing for a compliment. I mean, maybe there are some instances where a woman might be fishing for a compliment. Maybe she's like, there's a woman who's about to go to an event and they're out the door and the, and she asked her husband, like, do I look good? You know, maybe in that kind of situation, he should say yes. But if it's something that can be changed, if she, cha- if she has a few outfits in mind and she's trying on different outfits for a certain event, and one of the outfits truly makes her look fat, her husband should be honest and he should say, you know, I, maybe some people will disagree with me on this, but I feel very firmly you tell somebody if that, if they have an, if they're wearing something that's not as flattering on them as it could be, tell them. And it's actually, you're doing them a favor. You want them to look their best. Sure. It might hurt at the time. It might, they, they might retort by saying like, what does that mean that I am fat? You know, like, what are you saying or something like that? But the truth is, no, you're not saying that they're fat. You're just saying that that particular outfit doesn't suit them. Obviously, it gets a lot more touchy if they outright ask you, did I gain weight? (laughs) You know, and like, let's say they they did gain weight, you know, like this is obviously a case by case basis. And I do think even in these instances, there could be times where it might be appropriate to tell somebody if you really feel like this is something that's going to maybe hurt in the short term, but ultimately is going to be for their benefit. Obviously, again, disclaimer, big disclaimer is this is a case by case kind of basis, but uh, but the point is, the point that I'm trying to make is that being quote unquote nice is not always as nice as you think it might be. 
And why do I bring all this up? What does this have to do with the Tanya? Because this is exactly the topic of today's Tanya in relation to God and his treatment of us. And the context for this and why we're talking about this now is because we've been learning this epistle, Epistle 22 in Igaris HaKodesh. And this epistle has been starting off, it started off by with the altar of rebuking his followers, his chassidim, for coming to him with all kinds of different worldly concerns and challenges, with all of their problems, all of their physical, um, personal problems. And he started off by saying, like, you know, this is not appropriate. This is, he, he wants people to stop and he doesn't want people to come to him with these worldly concerns. And then yesterday we talked about the idea that, well, even even though maybe deep down, maybe on a certain level, truly the reason why people are so occupied with these worldly concerns is it's actually coming from a holy place because ultimately a Jew wants nothing more than just to serve God. Uh, so ultimately when they're concerned with these physical things, when, when people experience physical pain, the real hindrance to them isn't the physical pain itself, but it's, it's that this physical pain is holding them back from serving God. And let's say if a person is lacking in the realm of money, let's say really deep down, it's because their soul wants more money to glorify God, to give staka, to make beautiful Shabbos meals, things like that. So that's all true on a certain level. But what the altar I pointed out yesterday is let's not kid ourselves. And at the end of the day, we're all human and we do get bogged down by physicality and we do get bogged down by physicality for the sake of physicality itself. And we tend to get distracted from our true mission here on earth, which is more spiritual in nature, which is about using physicality for the sake of godliness. And instead we tend to get bogged down by the body, by physicality, by the worldly things. And the proof of this is just how despondent people become. And the remedy for this despondency, says the Alter Rebbe, and this is what we're going to be getting deeper into today, is humility and subservience before God and accepting suffering with, uh, with love and with gratitude. And so today we're going to talk about this from the angle of what I've been discussing in the introduction, which is this very idea that there's, there should be this recognition that when we experience physical suffering here in the world, this is not God trying to harm us, God forbid, but in fact, God, it's the complete opposite. God is like, and even all the more so, like that good friend or that parent, that mother, whatever it is, that's telling us that we have food stuck between our teeth. That person that is hurting us in the short term, sure, like they're putting us in a place of discomfort, but that's only for our own good. It's in order to wash away the blemishes, to get the food out of our teeth, to get us to, to wake us up, to realize that there's a problem. Yes, those clothes make us look fat. Yes, we gained a bunch of weight and it's, it, it, something looks off. It's, we look unhealthy, something like that. And the truth is that when you see uh, other people in the world, let's say people, non-Jewish people and things like that, where these things are not happening to them and they seem to have much better lives than you, it's not so simple. This could be for them, this could be God just kind of being quote unquote nice to them. And who are we quote unquote nice to and don't tell the truth to? People that like, you know, it's not that essential to us. It's not that important to us that they do better, that they um, that they improve, that they get that food out of their teeth or whatever. It's like, let them walk around with that dress that, you know, like if you don't care about somebody so much, it's like you're, you're kind of like almost not going to notice if like they're not wearing clothes that are so flattering on them. The more you love somebody, the more you care about 
about somebody, the more you're going to actually notice these little details in their lives and you see their potential and you see how much better they could be and and um, and you're going to feel more compelled to point these things out and have them change. And that's really what's going on with God. And anytime we experience things in our lives that are uncomfortable and uh, and even result in suffering, God forbid, uh, is that it is this is coming from a place of God pushing us to be our best selves, to tell us that there's something within us that needs refining, needs changing. And ultimately, what we're going to learn about in this section today is that when we do this, when we shift our mindset and when we come to recognize this of what's really going on, that it's really coming from a loving place, that in fact, this consciousness is going to turn into true reality in a very perceived way. It, it is true reality already, but we don't perceive it as such. But when we shift our consciousness, the perception will follow that consciousness and it will, and we can actually shift perceived reality in that way. So with that being said, let's get into the text and see how the Altar Abba explains all of this. So for context, again, we are still in Epistle 22 of Yigeris HaKodesh. And so here we go. So the Altar Abba begins and he says, just like a merciful father who is a wise and righteous father who hits his son and my own little addendum here i'm going to say maybe hitting doesn't necessarily need to be like physical hitting it could be like hitting in some way like waking the son son up in some kind of way a wise son if he realizes that this father is loving and this is coming from a loving place he's not going to turn around he should not or at least he should not turn around and turn his turn his back on the father and try to escape and try to find help from somewhere else uh, or even somebody to come and try to intercede on his behalf in front of the father who's compassionate, righteous, and kind. So this is going back to the the section a couple of days ago where this whole idea where people were coming to the altar about for advice and counsel and help for the, these different types of physical sufferings that they were experiencing. The altar is basically saying, no, don't try to find help for these things or find a person who is going to intercede on your behalf in front of God or something like that. Rather, what should you do? Continues the altar rabbit. The, the son should actually look at his father face to face, look at, straight at him and receive these hitting, these hits with love uh, for his lifelong benefit. He'll realize that this father is doing it, doing this for his benefit. And so now when we talk about this in a supernal sense, when we're talking about God, when we say face to face, the word in Hebrew panim, it's then this is the, the word panim is very interesting because the, the word panim means face, which is sort of like what you see on the outside, but it actually is related to the word in Hebrew bifnim, which means inside. So it's related to, it's sort of like this idea that the outside reflects the inside. There's actually just as a side note, there's a whole science to this in Kabbalah, actually, I don't know if there's anybody who really knows the science so like truly well nowadays, but there is a science to actually being able to look at a person's face and being able to understand their insides based on their face. So the face does reflect the insides. And so in this case, so when we say like we're looking at God face to face, the way that the son looks at the father face to face, God's face in this case is the will and the desire that our father in heaven is giving to his son with um, from all of the goodness of the worlds with in terms of the vitality of the soul and the body with love and with will and with yearning 
and with des desire through the Torah of life, which is the will of God, the blessed will of God that God gave to us. So meaning to say in simple terms that if a person is experiencing suffering, when we exp experience physical suffering, we should look God in the eye. We should look at God face to face. We should accept this and recognize the fact that this is actually God giving us love in, uh, in a very deep way. And the way that he gives us this love is through the Torah. As it says, uh, and then this is uh, this is from the Amida prayer that we say, where we say, where we say, that for the light of your face, you've given us the Torah of life. So again, so there's this connection between God's face and which is the inner part of God, the inner will of God and the Torah. So why? Because through fulfilling the Torah, we this is how we fulfill God's will. And this is and about this. There's a citation here from Mishle, chapter uh, 16, verse 15. For in the light of the king's face, there is life and his will. So again, meaning to say that the, the light of God's face is related to his inner will. There's a connection between the inner and the outer. And Torah, which is this the expression of God's will. And then the ultra contrasts this with the other nations, or sp to be specific with the idol worshipers, he says. He says to the idol worshipers, then God gives them vitality uh, in to their bodies, not with the same desire and will and pleasure. So it's like he gives it to them, but not in the same like desirous way, which is why actually, interestingly, in Hebrew, says the Altar Rebbe, we, how, what do we call um, idol worshippers? We say that idol worshippers, they worship Elohim Acherim, other gods. So the Hebrew is interesting here because the word Acherim, other, is related to the word Achoraim, which means backside. So it's like, the, so, so. So here again, there's just like there's a connection between the face and inside, there's a connection between other and backside. And so just like we see when it comes to man, says the ultra about a person, that, uh, that, that the will and desire of a person is what we refer to as a face. Like if you give somebody a present you, and you want to give them that present, you face them, right? And similarly, if you're accepting a present from somebody who you love and you care about, you're going to look at them. You're going to look at them. You know, you're going to thank them. Like you're really going to look at them. But if let's say you're getting something some, from somebody and, and you don't really like them very much, you don't have very good love for them, you may not face them. You might like make sure to not be home when they drop off whatever it is that they're dropping off for you or something like that, or kind of like not look them in the eye or something like that. And so this is the idea of basically like when we, when we accept what this translates into is how do we accept suffering here in this world? If we accept suffering here in this world and we recognize that it's coming from God and we recognize that it's coming out of a place of God's love, we're going to accept it willingly. We're going to be like that, that son that's accepting the hits from the father and just accept it like that. He's not going to try to run away from it. But if we're, God forbid, like the idol worshipers, then we're not going to want to accept it at, in, at face value and we're going to want to turn away from it, God forbid. And so now the altar Abbas says, he says, what is the advice to be able to accept this with love, to accept the suffering and recognize that it's coming from a place of love? 
he's because he recognizes obviously that this isn't necessarily the natural state for us to accept our suffering with love. He says that there's uh, that that we can find a teaching in the sages about this, which is from the Gemara in Brachos, page five a, the to examine your conduct. And so you should really do some self-examination. So if, if, if you ever experience hardships in your life, basically what you should do is you should look at your, at, at yourself, look at yourself, look at what's going on and see that, see if there's anything, if there's any kind of maybe things that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing anything that might, it might require cleansing in some way through this suffering and through this, th- this kind of self-examination, then a person will clearly see, says the altar, but the love of God coming to him, which this love upsets the natural order of divine conduct because like God naturally is a more overtly loving God. So if something's going on that like it doesn't appear like you're receiving love from above, that there's hardships in your life, this it's a good opportunity to examine what you're doing in your life that might require some kind of cleansing, that might require like it's not totally up to speed, not totally in par with with what God wants of you. And the uh, the analogy that the altar of it gives here is for a king who's, let's say you have this very awesome and great king who's, who cleans his only son and cleans his diaper for him out of his love, right? So it's like, if you ever picture like even just not a king, but a, but a parent who's, who's uh, changing the diaper of a child, the child often will be screaming and crying and it feels like the most horrible thing. And it's like, it's, it's like so gross. It's like, you know, there's like the, a dirty diaper and all that stuff. But we all know that that's actually coming from a loving place and that the, the, parent wants that child to be clean and that's why that's but the process of changing the diaper is very messy and very uncomfortable at the same time but it's really ultimately for the sake of of the child and this is the same idea is that when these things are happening to us in our lives that don't feel great it's often because god is changing our diaper that's what the altar of is basically saying uh, and uh, and then he brings us support for this from Yeshayahu chapter 4 verse 4 so as when God will wash off the filth from the daughters of Zion with his spirit of justice. So it's this idea basically showing us that God washes off the filth. And now, okay, and now we come back to this phrase that we brought up several times in Tanya, which comes from Mishlei chapter 27, verse 19, that when you look in water, then the face gets reflected back at you, right? Like you look inside water and you see your face reflecting back at you. So there's a, there's a response to this. So meaning that when, um, when a person really arouses in their consciousness, this awareness of the fact that this, this suffering they're experiencing is really just a way of God showing love and God cleansing them. This recognition of God's love towards them will arouse love within the heart of anybody who's understanding this, anybody who, who, who sees this love of God for the lower beings, meaning for us. And this love is a love which is more precious and better than any vitality in all of the worlds. As it is written, and this is a verse from Tehillim, a citation from Tehillim chapter 36 verse 8, what is more precious than, how precious is your loving kindness? And then also another citation also from Tehillim chapter 63 verse 4, your chesed, your kindness is better than life itself. Because chesed, why is kindness, why is God's 
kindness better than love itself because this kindness is the aspect of love, which is the life of all life. It's the source of all life, that it, of all the vitality of the world. Um, as it is written, and this is again from a, from davening, for the prayer, where we say, that God sustains life through chesed. We've spoken about this in other parts of Tanya as well, that the source of all life, the way God brings life into the world is through this chesed. And so through this recognition, through realizing that God that all of this, everything that happens to us, even these the the uncomfortable moments in our lives is coming from a place of deep love within God. This will arouse this love within us. And then, says the Altar Rebbe, then God will then grant goodness and he will make his face shine towards us in a way of revealed love that it was that was first um, concealed within this rebuke and um and the the gvuros, the, well, the the divine severities will become sweetened in their source, and all of the dinim, all of the the judgments, will be nullified forever and ever. So, meaning to say that by changing our consciousness regarding our experience of suffering and of discomfort and of things that we don't like in this world. And, and recognizing that these are actually coming from a loving place within God, this shift of consciousness will actually lead to an actual shift in the source above where there will be no more need anymore for us to be cleansed, to have this diaper change anymore. Our diaper will then be clean, really for real, and it will be perceptible to us. And we won't have to do this like trick of the mind anymore of trying to see the good or whatever. We're going to actually see the good because it's just going to be totally good in a very, very revealed way. So in words of Sham, that should be God willing. That will be the case for all of us for this coming year that we should only experience this revealed good and have this more direct connection with God in a very easy and uh, and happy way. So uh, with that being said, we'll, I'll leave off here and we'll continue along these lines tomorrow when we conclude this epistle and I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak Ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.